Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers. And I want to be clear that uh, before I introduce our guest, most of the time Bradley says something funny because he dubs that intro in. But this time he actually read out the entire intro. And it really scared me. Because I'm like, what is he? What is he doing? I thought I would just give our guest the full experience of being on the show. I felt it. I felt it right here in my heart. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have, uh, we actually have a third gay man on here. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm also a gay man. You have, uh, depicted me correctly and i am a star wars nerd of maximum intensity and i also have my own podcast that yep chris is the uh gay half of the show dark side divas which is a show where a woman and a gay man talk about star wars which i have been uh i've been listening to most of the day to prepare i've i've listened to some of the episodes beforehand and then i marathoned a bunch of them today to prepare to have chris on and i just want to say it's a wonderful show uh their attack of the clones episode in particular where they just bash it for an hour delightful (laughs) to listen to that's probably why my friend likes to listen to them now because because of charles um my friend listens to dark side divas now and he's like oh my god i love it and it's like because he hates the prequels so he's like they have some really good points they're they know they know what they're talking they know what they're talking about i have to i have to give most of the credit to my co-host because she's she's so smart she's so articulate and of course she's a professional voice actor as well uh and she really does the research for the show i just uh talk shit and remark on the sexiness of the clones i am i am gonna say listening to the show her research beautiful like we yeah. joke all the time <laughs> on gsg about how i don't research these episodes properly she absolutely puts me to shame <laughs> she's only done there's only been one thing that she's ever done that i'm like i don't think that's accurate and you guys might address mm-hmm. it in a later episode so i'm not gonna say what it is and call her out on the show oh I, i'm dead th- oh no please call her out we <laughs> call her were out. Uh, the big yeah, the big secret is we're actually not friends. We're actually enemies, and we don't really like each other. That's okay. Bradley so. and I are just business associates. Yeah. We actually had that same conversation. We were like, you know what? We should just, like, make it seem like we're, like, not even really friends, that like, we don't even care about each other. We should just we say, like, oh, we're pure enemies. We've never liked each other. We met one time in school, and then that was, that was it. it. It was just like, she, we're just here for the she, business. Steph, mm-hmm. bless her, does this... When you guys are talking about the um, when did Asajj and Obi-Wan Kenobi meet? And Steph does this absolutely beautiful retelling of the Battle of Jebem, which is one of my absolute favorite moments from the old Star Wars comics. Beautiful retelling of it. The problem is it's from Legends. (laughs) It's not from canon. And I'm listening to this That's going, you know. I feel so bad because it's so good, her retelling of it. It's no perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the mouse controls what is True. in and out in Star Wars now. So 
you know that's the way it is i will say though the <laughs> the research mostly spot on and i actually learned something that i have to share on the show before we jump into the actual episode which is uh thanks to dark side divas i am now aware that d bradley baker who we have been giving props to the entire time is the voice of my favorite star wars character uh admiral bismarck who is a spider but also a cyborg sometime <laughs> trench <laughs> i never knew that d bradley baker was that voice so i was listening to the dark side divas at work and i was standing at the copier and i think steph said it on the show and i i literally said out loud what <laughs> and so my coworkers turned to look at me i was like don't worry about it guys it's just a star wars podcast set of thing and they're like oh <laughs> they figured it i've been reading the high republic at work which i've been reading the rising storm oh boy bradley brace yourself i'm gonna have some things to say about the rising storm when i finish it next week uh they've, oh they've i haven't even out. i haven't even started that book yet but i can't wait it uh it's still gay. I am pleased to report it is still gay. Or it better be still gay. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> it better be. That better be where this is subplot is headed. Right. Um, we have one thing to discuss before we get two, into the episode. Two pieces oh, two of things? news. Okay. Uh, Chris, if you will, bear with us. We'll, we'd love to get your perspective on these. Uh, we have a segment on the show called What Did Charles Fuck Up? Right. Every week it feels like there's something that I didn't research before we get into the episode. And this week is not just on me, Bradley, it's on you too. Because last week there was this exchange. Good news is we, we don't have any news this week that either of us could think of in the pre-meeting. Although, yeah, I was like, Ugh. brain uh, not functional right now. Uh, I'm sure somebody out there is like, uh, you are not even you talking forgot about, about the trailer that just dropped today. So, Bradley, can you tell me what was wrong with that exchange there? <laughs> well, I think it was where I may or may not have suggested that when we were talking about if there was any news last week in Star Wars, that, you know, we're probably so tired uh, from everything that we're missing something. You specifically uh, said a probably trailer. Probably like a whole trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I said there's probably like a trailer drop for Obi-Wan Kenobi, even though I, I was I was just being so silly because I was just making up the show, right? Um, and I was just like, oh, it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer probably dropped and we we're just totally like skipping over it. But no, it wasn't the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. It was the Visions trailer. Oh. And I, I mm. forced the person that I'm dating right now, I forced him to sit down and watch that trailer with me. So I knew the trailer existed, and I had seen it multiple times, but when it came to record right. that episode, just completely blanked. You even texted me and said, have you seen the trailer? And I was like, yeah. And we discussed it over Instagram or whatever. We were like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. Like, da 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 And we had discussed it in length, and then now we literally, once we got to recording, we were just kind of like, um, yeah, nothing happened this week. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, so two questions. Uh, one, uh, is your partner not a Star Wars fan, or uh, the the person I'm currently dating at this moment? Uh, no, not really. Uh, he's a big anime fan, though, which is why I forced him to sit down and watch it. Because I was like, uh, okay. I want you to be clear. I'm going to be clear with you that 
if we are still dating come September, which we're gay men in Los Angeles, so who knows, you will be watching this with me. This is not a choice that you have. And which uh, which particular scene in the trailer got you the most excited? Bradley, do you, do you want to take that answer first? Excited in a good way or in a bad way? Because for me, uh, in a bad way was the bunny girl. Um, I know that <laughs> I know that furries are going to have a fucking heyday with this, and I just like I'm very scared for the Star Wars fandom moving forward. But other than the giant rabbit woman. Um, which is fine because I guess technically it's canon because technically not, in the comics I actually. guess there was some so, green bunny. So that brings up an interesting point. Visions is non-canon. So they said they wanted oh. to give them freedom to do whatever they wanted. Oh, okay. Well then, hey, like fuck all. The you first, can do whatever you want. The first line, and I will say for mine it's not the trailer. It's the, um, the book synopsis for Ronan. Literally the first mm. line, the Jedi are the most loyal servants of the Empire. And I went, I have to read this. <laughs> it's going to be weird, too, because they're going to drop them all at once. So oh, it's going to be God. strange. <laughs> I know, right? Can you imagine, like, eight weeks of, like, or nine weeks of fucking a five-minute short? Like, I, w- I couldn't do that. Like, I'd be so pissed. Yeah, it, the the weekly thing is killing me. I got used to not having to deal with that with ne- the way Netflix released all their stuff and then all of a sudden, I now have to wait a week for Loki or Mandalorian right. or whatever and it's it's awful. I hate it. They're trying to train us back into the <laughs> the weekly releases for cable. Yeah, television. I mean, they're, they're doing it to get get people to not cancel because if they dump a whole show, people sign up 100%. one day, watch it, right. cancel, and that's it. And that's, you know, I understand it, but it's still frustrating. It's a great scam. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, because, I mean, not, like, not a scam, but it's a good business model because if you only give people a month for free, that's only four episodes. So then it gets enough for them to get hooked on the show, and then they're like, oh shit, I gotta watch the rest of the show. I will. So, I get it. I will come in and say it, and I have a more positive view on it, because I, Bradley, you may not remember this because you're like 12 years old, uh, but there used to be a time when you had to watch things on the TV, and you had to specifically tune in and catch them. And at the time, Ah, you know, it harkens back kind of to my days as a middle schooler, high schooler, where you would watch something and then you would go and it would be the, you would be the talk of your friend group for just an entire week. And then you would go back and watch the next one. I like being part, when you dump a whole show, what you lose is that episode by episode kind of journey that you get to go on with other fans. Part of my regrets, which the way, with the way I watched Mando is I wasn't part of that for the first four or five episodes of the show. So the whole Baby Yoda thing, I wasn't a part of that because I was in the middle of doing my massive rewatch. So for me, it is nice to have that, you know, even before you and I started doing this show, to have that where it would be a conversation for a week. And then you would get a new episode. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? There'd be speculation. There'd be... So it's... I have a more positive view of it. I, I kind of like the weekly releases. Um, that's just me. I will say I don't like being part of every conversation with Star Wars fans. Twitter is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be on uh, it. 
we I had that exact conversation this morning on my other podcast, uh, and uh, yeah, there are a lot of terrible Star Wars fans, just like they're most. I, I'm a not exactly what you would call an optimistic person, uh, and I have a very negative view of most human beings. So, you know, uh, any any group, any pocket of people, any tribe, whatever you want to call it, I tend to think the majority of people are just awful. So, and Star Wars fans are no exception, uh, especially with when it comes to, you know the fight for us to have representation with all kinds of groups, not just gay groups, but like everybody and the, the venom that you get when you, when you celebrate like something as simple as two women kissing at the end of a movie and it becomes like the shit storm for a whole segment of people. And it's just, you know, it's just terrible. One thing I'm really loving about the high Republic, you know, I sort of made the offhand comment of, Oh, it's, It'd better be gay later. One thing I do like is that the the writing team that kind of assembled, one of the first things that they said about the High Republic was they wanted diversity. So, you know, we have people of color featured very prominently in the High Republic. We have queer people pe- featured very prominently in the High Republic. So something that I really like that Del Rey is doing is in the books and comics, they're a little braver with that, and I'm hoping that trend will continue into the live action shows the animated shows uh and more into the movies more than the 0.5 seconds we got which was more than you know we would have gotten ever before in any of the movies but it still could do better and i am glad to see that certain aspects of the franchise are getting braver about including that stuff in so it's a really positive sign for me Mm mm-hmm yeah, I agree. The other thing that we need to discuss uh, before we jump into the episode is The Mandalorian Season 2, which we have not yet covered on the show. I believe, Bradley, correct me if I'm wrong, we are going to cover it after this. We are going to go back and cover Mando Season 2. That's a tentative plan. Yeah, it's tentatively the second we're done with this, we'll just jump right into Mando season two because I don't want to waste any time. I feel like people are going to be like, you know, I, you, that Book of Boba trailer will drop any moment. We don't know when, you know, and I don't want to be like not even started Mando season two and the Book of Boba trailer drops and then we are like talking about Mando season two when it's not relevant anymore. You know what I mean? So. I want to make, keep it as relevant as possible, so we're just going to jump right in after, hopefully, Bad Batch ends in 16 episodes. I don't Fingers know. Crossed. Like, we'll I think I've read out. somewhere they're pretty firm <laughs> in that it is 16 episodes, and I also remembered... That's totally fine. I think that that, that is between 16 and 22, because I think... Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys are currently watching Clone Wars. Weren't some of the seasons of the Clone Wars just 16 episodes? Uh, They were 20... 21 i believe ex- with with a few exceptions because of the production drama that took place uh, closer to the end of clone wars uh but we're not even there yet we're, we're we just we're just about to start season three clone wars so uh, i will say they do a lot more trilogies the deeper the show gets and it's harder to do one episode at a time when the narrative of the episode is tied to two other ones right after um so that's 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 kind of our challenge with it I do you think Bad Batch is gonna be just one season, or is there gonna be another season? Or we were sort of. 
I mean, that's my theory. My theory is one, Charles thinks it's going to go more, but I mean, honestly, with this, like recently with Loki kind of disproves the theory now that there's only one season. Spoiler for anybody who doesn't know, there's going to be a second season of Loki. Um, And, you know, with the WandaVision and then the Winter Soldier, like we saw like, okay, those are going to be one and dones. And then, you know, with Star Wars, we didn't know that we knew there was going to be Mando season three, but that was about it. You know, we don't, he, that's the only true live action Star Wars show they had at the time. And now that we're getting all these other shows. And then of course with the bad batch, like who knows how many seasons they're going to be. I do like that. They have said from the beginning that Obi-Wan Kenobi is a limited series. So WandaVision was a limited series. They didn't really market it that way. Uh, no. Same with Falcon and Winter Soldier. That was a limited, thank God it was limited, <laughs> but that was a limited <laughs> series. Uh, they didn't really market it that way. Obi-Wan Kenobi, they said right out of the gate, it is a limited series, which is nice. Uh, which is good. I don't know if they've... I mean, yeah, there's only so much you can do with Obi-Wan uh, in right. that time period anyway, so... Short exactly. and sweet and get us in, get us out, get him back to Tatooine to sit on a desert planet for the next 20 years. And kill Maul eventually. Yes. We have completely tangented. <laughs> Welcome to Gold Squadron <laughs> Games. That's what we do. That's it. No, you know what? I, I, you know, I gave us a good 20 minutes for our fuck all stuff in the beginning anyway. We so always extend fine. our time frame when we have a guest. Thanks to... Uh, right. Kyle's episode was like 2 hours and 15 minutes. And I think it's still our most listened to episode. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, people like to sit in the fucking car and just listen to stuff or work and not do work. And just hey, I do time. my work while I listen to my podcast. It's when I'm not doing work that I read my book. The Mandalorian Season 2. The Mandalorian Season 2 was nominated for a whopping 24 Emmys, including Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series for Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, outstanding guest actor for uh, Daddy. I mean, sorry, Timothy mm-hmm. Oliphant and uh, also Carl Weathers. It's nominated for Outstanding Drama Series. Uh, Dave Filoni is nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing for The Jedi, uh, with John Favreau also nominated for The Rescue, and then a bunch of different other things. Prosthetic. Sound editing, music composition, sound mixing, basically run down the list. It's nominated for it. <laughs> gotcha. I do nice. remember, Bradley, the, uh, what was it? Was it the Golden Globes? It was like the first or second episode of this podcast we were talking about it. I think, yeah, because you know what? It was funny. I was thinking, I was like, I was like, wait, Emmys. Didn't we cover this during the Emmys? And I was like, oh, wait, no, because the Emmys never happened when we were covering this. So then they went back, and now we're doing, obviously, season two Emmys, and that's where we're at now. What do, so. what do we think of Mando's chances? Well, with 24 noms, I mean, I'm assuming at least half. Yeah, I, I, pre- I predict that they're going to win most of the technical awards. I, I think, now. yeah. For sure. Uh, the other show that got nominated for a lot of stuff was The Crown, and I am generally not a fan of that show, but I saw this past season and was completely blown away by the acting performances in that in that one. So I think mm-hmm. that one's going to ultimately run away with everything else. 
Unfortunately, I, uh, I, I will stop. say that I'm, I'm going to come in with a, a third party here. And uh -oh. I, I am going to point out that WandaVision was nominated for, I think, 23. Oh. And Elizabeth Olsen. But like, but but for what? That's a great like, question. Let me. Uh, <laughs> not I me. Mean, not it doesn't have to do every single one, but like you know specific. I, like, I want to look at costumes, one in particular. Like I want to see if. Uh, what Emmy nominations? Yeah, so there's one in particular I mean, that I want to draw attention to. Well, actually, three in particular. All three of the lead actors are nominated. Okay. So outstanding lead actress for Elizabeth Olsen, outstanding lead actor for Paul Bettany, and outstanding supporting actress for our queen Catherine Hahn. Gotcha. The breakout I do star. Think I want I want her to win so bad. I, I want these actors <laughs> to win. Particularly Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn. Just because Catherine Hahn is having so much fun on this show. And Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen what she has had to deal with being Scarlet Witch and being told behind the scenes of Age of Ultron, you will never wear the Scarlet Witch costume. To turn around and win Outstanding Lead Actress Emmy for this. Although they are in a limited series, so they may not be competing. I would have to check and see exactly how they set it Ooh, up. Because they are in no. a limited series, so they may be in a different bracket. In which case, they'll just sweep it. They might win. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's a limited series, they won't be competing with Mando and all those other ones. So then I can continue to support Manda, Manda, Amanda, Manda, Amanda, support Amanda, Amanda, <laughs> Amanda Lorian. That's a drag name. God, I hope so. Write that down. I hope somebody has write that down. All right. Well, that has been uh, twenty-three and a half minutes. We're sort of on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's into dive it. into our episode titled Rescue on Ryloth. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first since you're the guest here and also fuck Bradley. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? When when the name Ryloth appears in a episode name of any Star Wars, there is a very high bar and... I think that this episode definitely hit that bar. It wasn't the it wasn't my favorite Bad Batch episode. I think the two episodes ago was my favorite, but I loved it. I absolutely the first of all the animation is out of control, amazing. I had just watched uh, some of the older Ryloth episodes from Clone Wars, and just to see the difference between uh, I think it was two thousand eight Clone Wars and now is out of it. it it's unbelievable. There were times I was watching the episode and I thought it was live action. Uh, but so that was awesome. Uh, Chopper is a droid chaos god. Yes. It was so good. We will get so good to we see will him. get to Chopper. I have some notes on Chopper. Yeah, Chopper was chopping. Uh, Hera <laughs> was a sweet, innocent little Hera. And she was starting to learn, uh, you know, she was starting to get into becoming what she will eventually become, which is an action superstar and a general. Um, but the for me, the breakout character of this episode was Omega because she really cut Hunter deep with her words. And I loved it. I absolutely literally loved it. my first note is on how gorgeous because when I looked up the capital city name. We get into trivia kind of as the episode goes along. I looked up on Wikipedia 
And I was literally looking at a side-by-side on my phone of the Bad Batch episode I was watching next to the image of the capital city from the original Clone Wars. I was blown away by it. Wow. Bradley, what did you think of this episode? Um, it was really good, actually. Um, I, you know, I did appreciate the Bad Batch actually was in this episode. Um, no lower decks episode. Since this the show's time. named after, since since the show's named after them. Um, but uh, I, you know, I really liked. Uh, I, I really liked Omega, like you said. Uh, I think she's kind of evolving past the helpless child trope of early seasons of all these cartoons you know it and i think that is sometimes a hindrance sometimes to these shows uh all the star wars cartoons you know especially with like ezra and like the first two seasons was very childish and very like you know until he like gets his makeover i call it when he shaves his head is when he becomes an adult essentially um you know and i think that this show is growing her up quickly which is good i don't like to see her i don't want to see her stay like that childish whatever um forever i like to see it grow quickly so i'm excited for that because like you said she really (laughs) she cuts them deep um and then uh i really liked um crosshair in this episode maybe it's just because i like d bradley baker's voice change when he does crosshair like it's like a weird like it's it's not nasally, but you know what I'm talking about. Like it's just like a different inflection with crosshair it's versus the like other ones. It's almost like crosshair when he speaks is like hissing, like it sounds yes, like a, yeah. it's evil sounding kind of almost Vader style hiss, but that's just his voice. Yes, I I don't know. I just like his voice acting <laughs> in this episode in particular for some reason. I was very much like I just like the way he speaks, like uh, kind of uh, weird tone i can't do it but it's like it's i'm trying to you do are it not a professional like a, voice actor no i am not where is your oh my god where's your where co-host? because i need uh, <laughs> well I, I i i noticed for the first time i i know it was it was apparent to some people in the last episode but i really noticed that crosshair scars on the back of his head yes looked really really bad like he got burned a lot worse than i was expecting so and that with his voice and his composure throughout the whole episode, I, he became a true villain for me for some reason in this episode. Whereas before, I I I found him annoying. Still a compelling character, but like he's not going to be a problem for the entire Bad Batch, or he couldn't possibly be. But now after this episode, for some reason, I'm thinking this is going to be bad. When we talked about this last week. Uh... I actually put forward the theory, and I'm going to expand on it. This week, I had put forward the theory that his inhibitor chip was damaged by the burn. Mm. Mm. And I'm going to further expand on that and say that it's possibly, it's possible that Crosshair's just a dick. (laughs) like maybe we'll find out in the last episode his inhibitor chip was damaged by the burn and he's just an asshole Mm -hmm. they've been one the whole time that would be an interesting twist i think on it i i think that's where we're heading with him and i you know now that it's apparent that there are other clones that are starting to go hey this empire thing is not cool at all 
uh, we need to stand up to it. Uh, he is becoming that much more interesting to me. Uh, I will say, before I jump into it, I really like the episode. I like all the episodes. I don't even know why I say that anymore. <laughs> I liked it more taken off the back of last week's. Viewed on its own, I'm not as wild about it. Uh, but fortunately, a lot of the people I felt were sidelined in this episode got the spotlight last week. And I think that was the importance of Devil's Deal, was that yeah. it gave us time with Cham, Eleni, um, Orin Frita, who's just not in this episode completely. It gave us time with these people. Uh, so that really helped right. in this one when they don't really have a lot of things to do or choices to make. Well, let's dive on in. We open up with a shot of the Ryloth capital, which is actually called Lesu, apparently. That mm -hmm. is the name of it. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. I also noted um, Rampart when he comes in and, and Hauser's behind him in the first scene. Rampart, not Rampart, Hauser's facial animation, where you can see him visibly uncomfortable with what's mm. going on is just mm, A plus animation. Mm. <laughs> a plus animation. He is, uh, he is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, I wrote Captain Hottie. Uh, yes. Captain Hottie. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy Hauser, come in to save us. We finally get Eleni's name pronunciation <laughs> correct after not oh, being stated right. at all in the last episode. We finally get her name. Hooray. So Rampart comes in and Rampart basically taunts them for a bit and is like, we're going to find Hera. And then he kind of goes out into the courtyard with Hauser and Hauser's sort of questioning well, what is this about? I was there. You know, the shot didn't come from Chammer and he was people, which does Hauser, Hauser has a chip in his head. Yeah. Yeah. I was confused the whole episode because I was like, why is he acting like a normal person? Like if he has an inhibitor chip and he's still technically, you know, a clone, like why is he care? Like, I don't know. I did. I was. I was a little. They're playing a little fast and loose with these inhibitor chips, obviously, because I don't know what's happening. I there has to be some sort of a catalyst that makes the empire go. We can't use clones anymore. We have to go a full volunteer army. And I actually think my theory is, and Hauser is proving that out to me, is that the inhibitor chip isn't as effective across the board as they thought. Or it deteriorates after the order gives out and there are, like, as time passes, there are more and more clones going, hey, wait a minute, we were fighting the Separatists because they did all this evil, awful shit, and now we're doing the evil, awful shit. Right. It's breaking their, not their psyche, but it's breaking their, like, programming. Like, mm -hmm. they're going, wait a minute, whoa, 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 we don't it's do like that. It's like a mm -hmm. drug, almost, that, a drug or an alcohol where if you pump somebody full of a drug constantly uh it's gonna build up a resistance to it and what the empire yeah. basically did was what order 66 did is it just fired these chips into maximum overdrive so it shoot the jedi 100 loyal to the empire boom and so now right. that's an interesting thought that now they've almost like lost their effectiveness they'll never have that same hit again 
Hmm. That's interesting. It's an interesting. I like that. Th- I like that theory. We transition over to uh, thanks to Chopper, who is there. Uh, bless him. Uh, we transition over to Hera, keeping an eye on things outside of the Sindula Estate. Now we didn't talk about the Sindula Estate last episode because I was exhausted to the point of forgetting that Visions exists at all. <laughs> But right. I did want to bring up that we have seen the Syndulla estate before in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Hera and the Ghost Crew will eventually blow it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. that's right. Do- I need to watch Rebels again because I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> that's my fa- that's one, my, one of my favorites for sure. I love I, Rebels. Is like Chopper is one of my favorite droid characters, and uh, I love yeah. Hera. I love Hera a lot. So see, like. Seeing her in Bad Batch, I I was instantly like in love, and I think I even screamed out loud, very loudly. My husband was like, "What the fuck is going on in this den?" You know, so yeah. Fortunately, I live alone, I so that. the only person I can scream out is the cat, uh, and Bradley in <laughs> text messaging later on. Right. At, at three a.m. for me, I will so. I will <laughs> message him. So lately. I feel awful. We we touched on this in the last episode. Late uh, lately, uh, I haven't been staying up to watch it. And normally, I'll warn Bradley to stay off social media. Don't open your Snapchats. Don't check your messages until you've seen it, if there's going to be a major spoiler. Did not he saw the episode before I did, so he didn't get the warning to stay off social media. So both of us got spoiled for Hera. Dope. Yeah. It was very sad. Sad. Back on the ship, we have Omega attempting to fix Gonky. I like that Omega's a bad mechanic. I <laughs> I do, and here's... Is she, is she? Well, in this case, she's not omnipotent as a mechanic. Right. We've talked about the concept on the show of the hyper-competent child character, which is not a bad thing. It is part of the Star Wars mm-hmm. fantasy. Part right. of making it sellable is they can't be hyper competent at everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's it's good to see that there are some technical aspects like she doesn't really quite know how to fly. She's not a hundred percent. She can't just magically fix Gonky. You know, I I like that we're seeing these aspects to her that she's not completely perfect. Well, for the record, I want a pet Gonky so bad. Gonky is amazing. Uh, I am actually really... I actually... My takeaway with that was that she was able to do some stuff with Gonky. Like, she recognized there was something wrong with him. And, you know, I'm going to quickly jump to the end of the episode real quick just to make my point. Uh, she also taught Hera how to scramble the... Tech. The ship transmitter tech thing. Did. The, oh, tech did. Oh, I thought that was her. That was tech. I specifically noted it because... Hmm... Uh, the thing Charles didn't research, or the thing Charles forgot to research, <laughs> was exactly how the ghost worked. Because I thought that, specifically mm. that line, Tech taught me how to scramble this, uh, was a seeding uh. what the ghost will eventually do, to where the ghost thing is that it's so good at scrambling that it can slip in and out of Imperial uh. detection. Mm. Well, Dave Filoni, you bastard. I know. Uh, my, <laughs> my concern with Omega as a character is that she's going to turn out to be Force-sensitive. And I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about that. I also think she... 
I thought she was, and I was super confident about it in episode one. I came into episode one, our episode one deep dive, like, <laughs> she's fucking force sensitive. She's a fucking Jedi. She is. Yeah. And as time has gone on, all of the stuff she does in that episode that seems like it's force sensitive is later explained. Mm-hmm. So she knows what Crosshair is going to do, not because she can sense it, but because she already knows about the inhibitor chip and she knows that they're going to invoke the inhibitor chip in him. So I don't right. know. Yeah. I mean, there's still time. You guys could still be right. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but you guys could still be right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Like for me, like I, I started to relax on that theory until she was playing uh, Star Wars chess uh, <laughs> with Sid. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, if she does turn out to be force sensitive, what does that mean? Does that mean that the Empire has access to technology that lets her clone that lets them clone force sensitive people, which uh, would explain a certain character that Palpatine would is apparently responsible for in the sequel trilogy. Mm. So that's my concern. That opens a lot of questions about the Force. Uh, that, right. <laughs> um, I'm not prepared to answer these questions. Uh, well, I, you just have to make sure she has the right number of metachlorians. Well, here's here's right. a thought. You know, I've I've always interpreted the metachlorian thing not as metachlorians cause the force, but that the Jedi are misreading it, mm. and that metachlorians because there's a big theme in the the prequel trilogy of the Jedi have become too scientific. There's a now deleted video from a content creator who she basically said she talked about the video gaming of the force, which is a concept that I talk about a lot. The idea of video gaming the force to where everything has to be a quantifiable power. I think my reading has always been the Jedi become too scientific. They lose their spiritual aspect. And that's why Qui-Gon Jinn is such an outlier. You guys talk about in your wonderful Phantom Menace episode how he's kind of this space hippie and he's like in tune with the force and they're still going to listen to him because he's a master and he's a master for a reason. I think... But it's hard But it's hard to listen to him because he shows up to the Jedi temple unbathed, <laughs> smelling like patchouli and Yoda is like, what the fuck? Take a bath. Ironic coming from Mr. Uh, I'm going to hang out in a swamp for 20 years. But my reading has always been that the way midichlorians maybe actually work is that it's not necessarily that they cause the force... It's that they're an indicator of it. The way we would scan for certain medical things in order to show other things. So midichlorians group right. towards force sensitivity. And that's kind of where they get that. In the, I don't know. That's always been... I just tangented about midichlorians. But I've never had an opportunity to talk about my theory before. That has always been my theory. <laughs> this is the platform the to Jedi do have it, become sir. too I'm... scientific. That is part of their downfall. They are not in tune with the living force or the cosmic force. And part of an indicator of that is believing that midichlorians cause the force instead of simply being an indicator of the living force. Mm, I love it. Gotcha. That's canon now. That's canon now. Canon. As Steph would say, that's my canon uh, fix fic. My fixing, mm-hmm. what does she call it? Her canon fixing fanfic? Uh, her head canon fix? Yeah. yeah. 
That's my head cannon fix. That's I clever. also I like that. While we're on the subject with Gonki, I do like the little exchange where they're like, "Oh, Gonki's also defective." Yes, she says, "Don't worry, we're defective I'm like, too." Oh, oh so Omega, sweet. she's too nice for this galaxy. <laughs> she's. I'm concerned that she's not appearing in other things after this. I'm a little I worried. told you. I think they're they're getting ready to make her a hardened criminal in the Book of Boba. It's coming. Oh my God. That's going to blow my mind if that I happens. I will lose my shit. I swear, they will do adult Omega in Book of Boba. I bet you right now. It's a secret. They're keeping it from us. It's going to happen. I'm, again, I'm, I keep dating all my uh, guesses. So July 16th at 10.56 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, <laughs> I am calling it now Omega. Adult version is mm. going to be in Book of Boba. I, I just want Hondo to show yes, up. Yes, please. That's all I want. Dear God, yeah. yes. Yeah. Where Where is he? Can we talk about this in Bad Batch? Where is Hondo? Uh, I, oh, I'm sure he'll show up. I think he's coming. I, I, I feel that is coming. If you're going to do a, a cameo a week, where's Hondo? Right. He's Ma'am? the next episode. Watch. Where is Hondo? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's the next episode, I bet. I mean, I, I kept expecting Sid to, like, open up a trans. Uh, transponder and hondo will be on in the hologram you know i i think that's i feel like that's coming and if it's not going to happen in bad batch i feel it has to happen in book of boba just because of the amount of exposure he's getting in other in other aspects of of disney right now uh you can just say the park it won't make me feel bad for not having been able to go yet <laughs> especially the park yeah i am a, a, a in case you don't know i'm a huge disneyland person so i i I go to Star Wars land and they stay there. I and I don't move. You know, I've heard rumors <laughs> that there are other parks connected to Star Wars land, but I have never cared about anything outside of Star Wars land, so I don't believe them. I guess I'll just... <laughs> there, 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 there is. But if you're there for the Star Wars land and for Star Wars, then it doesn't matter. November twentieth, twenty twenty one is is when I'm going to be going. Oh, so awesome. mark your calendars. Gold Squadron Gays fans, we will be doing some content for it for my first trip. There you go. Speaking of holograms, uh, Hera contacts the go- I just said the ghost crew. <laughs> Hera contacts oh, I you were the ghost the go- crew. I- no. I thought you were going to say the good batch. And that's like... <laughs> like Hera... The super normal clones. <laughs> Hera contacts the bad batch. Uh, and she does a very a New Hope style, um, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, uh, where she's almost even kind of in the Leia pose, where she's mm-hmm. kind of down. Yeah, she's like bent down on her knees, uh, yeah. I said, uh, help me Omega Wan Kenobi. Oh, I did like that uh, Ome- uh, Hunter has this brief moment of, you gave her our number. Really? <laughs> I get yeah. that this is, like, the first friend your own age you've had that you didn't, like, immediately leave two seconds later, but... Right. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I loved Hunter's facial expression at that moment. It was very much a, uh, who's calling you? Who's that boy? You know, like, or who's, who's that, that girl? girl? Yeah. You know, it's like, there was that, it was that mentality. It wasn't, oh my god, you just gave away our location, we're all gonna die now. It's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Tech has a line where he's like, uh, well, maybe she's just emotional. You know, children, they tend to over... I literally have in my notes, Tech, shut up. Yeah. 
There's several tech shut up. I love tech because I feel a strong connection with tech's energy of needing to stop every conversation to quote the Wikipedia at people. But on the other hand, right. tech needs to shut the fuck up. I love it. I agree. <laughs> tech had my favorite. Tech did have my favorite line uh, in the episode at, at closer to the end, though. But yeah. You know. Uh, is it? I'm gonna guess it. Is it? Is it the one where he's like uh, about her flying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the distraction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are equally confused by your erotic <laughs> by your. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Tech is tech is so cool. But yeah. Yeah. I. One of the few criticisms I think is valid for Bad Batch is I don't think Tech and Echo, for that matter, have gotten a lot of stuff in the story yet. Yeah, and I've yeah. I've heard some criticisms that they're very similar characters. I don't agree. I think that they are two very different characters in terms of Tech being this kind of nerdy guy, and Echo as a character, the focus is more on his role as a reg, as a former reg. Uh, being a member of the Bad Batch, but having that lived experience that the others do not have. Uh, unfortunately, the show, right. other than the Separatist episode, and one scene here that we'll get into, really hasn't given us enough focus on either of those two characters mm -hmm. to really show that. Yeah, I think they don't really know what to do with um, Echo. I think it's kind of like a he's, he's in the Bad Batch, but he's kind of just there because they rescued him a couple shows well, back <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not like well bradley you and uh, i were talking we, neither of us we both were very underwhelmed by the episode that i've unfortunately learned is chris's favorite of the season we were both underwhelmed and part of the reason we were both underwhelmed was we felt like the echo subplot where he kind of has to learn to put aside his hatred of the separatists because, you know, it's a new world. And him coming around to encouraging the guy at the end didn't feel strong enough. Didn't feel like it had enough focus to really land. Uh, I agree with that. But at the same time, I, I guess I didn't care. Because I was just... I, <laughs> I, because there were other dynamics in the episode I absolutely loved and fell in love with. Part of this probably because I'm also watching Clone Wars and at, at the same time. And right. there's this like juxtaposition of like, you know having to deal with separatist people and now there's this like really awkward situation and i think echo will have you know echo's already had a lot of time in terms of the overall story of star wars so you know uh, i can be a little patient with it but that's probably partially why i think bad batch is going to go beyond season one because i think there's so much more ground to cover with all of these characters there's no way they're going to do it i think uh in 16 episodes at this point i i would agree wholeheartedly with that I did like, as far as character development goes, my, my last note on this scene is the last few episodes we have seen Hunter use soldier lingo to get Omega to do what he wants. In this episode, we see her turn that around on him. Yes. And go, well, he's like, we can't just throw ourselves in the way for people who need help. And she's like, isn't that what soldiers do? And he's like, Got him. Fuck. <laughs> He's like, got him. Uh, specifically, isn't that what clones do? Don't they go all over the galaxy and put themselves on the line and get blown up and get killed and save all these people all the time? That's what they were born for. That's what they were bred for. It's an interesting... Literally made to well, it's do. it's interesting. I just thought of this. It's an interesting juxtaposition to the arc words, which are good soldiers follow orders. 
So we have this hammered home. Good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. Omega is raising the thesis statement here. Maybe it's not that good soldiers follow orders. Maybe it's good soldiers protect people. Mm. Yep. That's an interesting angle. I love Good Omega. <laughs> so we return to Ryloth. We head to a command post. I l- tried to look up whether or not it, we'd seen the command post before. Couldn't find anything. Um, Hera offers them a bunch of money in a very Luke style. She's rich. And maybe I'm just thinking of this because <laughs> I just watched A New Hope again. But it's it's very... She'll totally pay you if you get her out of prison guys <laughs> yeah and and, Hunter, and i love hunter's reactions like it that don't mean shit if we're gonna fucking die it don't matter at all um i'm kind of surprised though that she didn't bring up the fact that she like chom sandula was her father because i felt i feel like that would have like moved things along a lot quicker they waited until they went to the actual planet to meet with hera yeah maybe maybe she didn't like think it was that big of a deal or maybe she it's an interesting yeah if, as you guys would say on dark side divas it's so plot can happen yeah it's, it's, I, so, it's plot so the can plot happen. can yeah. happen or yeah. in this case it's so the character moment can happen if she says i'm cham Sindula's daughter years ago you served with my father in the clone wars we don't get the <laughs> moment of hunter not wanting to go and help mm-hmm. right we get a scene of so rampart comes out and he addresses people Orn Frita apparently is still alive. It is explicitly verbally confirmed that Orn Frita is still alive. As we'd already seen, Bradley, as we know, cannot read. Uh, he he yes. is a dumb twink who cannot parse the words on paper. Uh, bless his heart, we love him anyway. Uh, but it, we know Orn Frita is a character in Lords of the Sith, which takes place about six mm-hmm. years after this. Uh, but this is explicit on-screen confirmation. I feel really bad for uh, for Alex Damon, who does Star Wars Explained, the YouTube channel, who made a whole. So he made a whole video. I think it was I watched it this morning. Or it was the morning before. Apparently, he had to endure a lot of questions about whether or not Orn Frita was dead, and how that fit into the canon. And he had to make a whole video, basically saying. He's in Lords of the Sith, but, like, he's alive. If you only watch the visual media, then you can just assume that he's dead. If you read the books as well, he's alive in those. And then they just come out in this episode and are like, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, he got shot in the head, but he's fine. (laughs) People live through that, right? (laughs) Well? Well, I guess Rylothians have thick skin. Well, Orn Free Tasher does. He's a thick girl. I maybe girl. wouldn't say it's thick yeah. skin. I'd say it's thick... Uh, somebody spent too much of the Clone Wars on Coruscant. Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite, my favorite Orn Free Ta moment was... Uh, there. It was the second episode of the first Mandalorian trilogy. And uh, Selene was about to be assassinated by a shit ton of spider droids, those crazy spidery thing droids that are horrible to look at. And everyone is running around screaming, trying to avoid death, but Ornfree Ta holds on to his chicken leg. <laughs> no matter what. Oh, Ornfree Ta. Matt Martin on Twitter, who is a, a 
Lucasfilm story group employee who is just a wonderful ray of sunshine on Twitter. Uh, he posted a thing this morning about for all the people who apparently sub like tweeted him at him very concerned about Orn Frita. There's your answer. I'm like, I responded. I was gonna say something like, "Who is this emotionally invested in Orn Frita?" But my favorite Star Wars character <laughs> is Bismarck, but he is a spider and also a cyborg sometimes. So like, I people who live in glass houses really shouldn't throw bamboo. Right. <laughs> That's disgusting. We get a mention of the uh, plasma bridge. It's not relevant to the plot. I just want to bring it up because it is a reference to the Clone Wars. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a plot point involving the plasma bridge and how it's used in the Battle of Ryloth. Uh, I also remember it being in the Lego Star Wars 3 Clone Wars game. There's a level around it, so I specifically remember it from that. I just wanted to bring up... They mention a bridge... I think the bridge is cool. Uh, so Tech makes... Fucking Tech makes the excellent point that uh, Raxus and Ryloth are being treated the same. And Echo's like, mm -hmm. Raxus is a separatist planet. And Tech's like, yeah, exactly. I love this interaction. Right. It, it the galaxy is changing and it it you know it's already apparent to the bad batch but you know one of the themes of this episode is the growing wave of concern about the galactic empire which makes me wonder what the end of the season is going to look like uh and i'm really worried about the clones it goes back to eleni's line that she gives to rampart in the opening scene where she says i have seen how you treat your allies I would rather be your enemy. Mm -hmm. Which is... Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I said this early on in the show that I don't think all the members of the Bad Batch are going to make it by the end of the season. Um, don't hurt me. I don't think most of the clones are going to make it by the end of the season. I genuinely believe that. I think that's how... I think they may or may not do this. I don't know. It is a kid's show, so they're probably not going to do a full-on genocide of uh the clones but it would be a convenient way to reset your army right it's just to kill all the old guys and bring in wow, all the new that's ones like fucking dark yeah but they've done it before order 66 right. was purging of the jedi what's to stop Darth right. Sidious from saying eh, fuck the clones i'm done with them well they they yeah, also do deal with themes of genocide in the clone wars and they deal with themes of genocide in uh the backstory for the lasat in star wars rebels um, mm -hmm. Right, that's true. They'll probably just do it off screen. Is my point. I mean, I hope so because otherwise my heart's going to be broken in a million <laughs> different pieces, and I won't be able to. I have to call on sick. You, I'm, like, I'm more worried about Steph. Uh, well, Steph is already emotionally prepared for it. Like she keeps telling me every time. Y'all don't hear it. We we do like a warm up session before we do recording, and we've been talking about Bad Batch most of the time. And she she keeps telling me, don't get emotionally attached to anybody. They're all going to yeah. die. They're all going to die. Mm -hmm. I agree with her 100%. Mm -hmm. I think every single one of them, except for Omega, will die. I think every single one. Do you one think it's going to be a Rogue One type situation? I, I oh. mean, you, it makes a good argument for being a Rogue One situation. I mean, none of them are in any of the things going forward. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we don't know what Book of Boba looks like. Maybe the whole fucking Bad Batch is in Book of Boba. We don't know. Uh, a live I mean, action hunter would uh, a daddy live action hunter would be uh, out of control. I'd I'd be done with Star. I have enough problems dealing with Cobb Vanth. All right, I have enough issues right. reconciling the existence of Cobb Vanth. Uh, we're just lucky that Senja Rath Velas is book only. Which, incidentally, Lucasfilm, if you're screening these, um, I live in Los Angeles. And another thing that I'm pretty good at is acting. So, like, if you want to cast somebody, uh, don't call my agent because I don't have one. Uh, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read for it. Oh, God. oh my goodness. No, I was going to say, I, as much as I would love for the Bad Batch to show up in Book of Boba, I don't know, old. one, if they're going to pay Tamora Morrison enough money to oh. be all the clones. <laughs> um, because... If Bradley D. Baker is already pulling, uh, like, quadrillion duty doing five different, 30 different characters on one show, it's just a voice actor. Imagine Tamora Morrison as the actual body double doing five or six different well, you characters. Tamora Morrison, and, and Bradley, you may or may not be aware of this. Chris, you would have been old enough in the prequels to be cognizant of this. Tamara Morrison was kind of had an Anthony Daniels thing going where other than a few exceptions, I think he didn't do everybody in Delta squad. I think he just did boss in Delta squad. Tamara Morrison basically voiced all of the clones forever during the original run of stuff. He voiced him in battlefront Two, the good one. He voiced him in a bunch of different (laughs) things. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he didn't. Um, I mean, he didn't have to work anymore after doing Star Wars. He had gigs lined up for years. Um, and I think I, re- I actually remember when uh, the Clone Wars movie came out, and they didn't use him for the clone voices, and that was a little controversial. There were a few things about the Clone Wars movie that were controversial. I do remember that being controversial that they switched voice actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because they they used um, uh, what's his name that plays Dooku? How did they use uh, Christopher, Christopher Lee? And uh, Samuel L. Jackson, they gave a lot of the actors the opportunity to come back, but Mm -hmm. only Christopher Lee and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I think, actually took them up on it. Yeah. Because for the movie, they had offered to let them come back and just redub that, but only those two apparently said yes. I have not gotten... I am at the... I'm I'm listening... So I've listened to some of the later episodes of Darkseid Divas, and I'm working my way back through chronologically... And I've just gotten to the episode that's about the Clone Wars movie. So I I haven't okay. listened to that episode yet. In, in in COVID time in COVID time, that's like twenty years ago when we when right. I did that. So now I don't even remember. Time means nothing. What I said. Um and nothing matters. What's interesting in, in this sequence is we rarely get a chance to see it, but here we do get a chance to see hunter's mutation in action hunter Hmm. doesn't get a lot of a chance to actually show off in a way that's tangible what his mutation actually is hunter has enhanced senses so he is in tuned he's so in tune with the world around him that he can detect like frequencies he is insanely Hmm. sensitive to everything so he is the one to hear the probe droid, even though the probe droid is being basically completely silent. 
she hears it and is like, give me one second. He's like, I'm going to go deal with this real quick. (laughs) Stabs him in the eye. I love, so I liked that we did get to see Hunter's mutation, especially Mm. since Tech, Wrecker, and Echo doesn't really have a mutation. He has an augmentation. We've gotten to see all three of them do their thing multiple times. We've gotten to see Crosshair. There's very few instances where Hunter has been, like, able to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that the shot of Crosshair when he's looking up at them, his face is obscured by the helmet. But because of the details in the way the helmet moves, because of the musical cue, and because of the directing choices in the shot, you could just tell how pissed he is. Yeah. You just tell how fucking well, he furious has, like, he is. He, he has like supreme resting bitch face. Right? How does he have resting bitch face inside the helmet? You can just tell. <laughs> You're like... It's the, ta- it, it's the tattoo. It's that tattoo on his face. It gives him yeah. that that constant, I'm constantly angry look. And if that's the last face I see before he puts the helmet on, that face stays in my mind, you know? Yeah. The Bad Batch heads back to the command post. They're like, fuck this shit, we're out. Uh, Omega's like, seriously, guys? Like, she's going after her family. I would do that for you. Right. She's in here trying to to get them to help. So I have her sort of noted as sort of the moral compass of the group now. She is almost kind of the heart of the team. And I love that she's coming into that role fully. Especially as Hunter... You can tell he's kind of moving in a more mercenary direction, especially his conversation with Rex, and she's kind of pulling him back. Yeah, well, I, I think I think Hunter's intent is that he, this is his family now, and he he just wants them to survive, and he just wants to get through the day. And I don't I don't think any of them is still dealing with what's happening in, across the galaxy. They're just trying to move through their motions, trying to get to a more secure place, and trying to find his place in the world or in the uh, galaxy. And, you know, Hunter is being protective dad and Omega's all, no, we need, still need to help people. You still need to do what you're good at. And, you know, Hunter is stuck in a rock and a hard place because she's not wrong. At the same time, they have to take care of themselves at some point. I, uh, I noted here, Crosshair reports that Clone Force 99 is on Ryloth. I didn't have any notes in the scene, but I wanted to bring the scene up in case you guys had any notes on it. I don't think I did, no. Nope. Uh, oh, where he's where telling he goes um, Rampart, Rampart and, and Halzer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're on, they're on uh, Ryloth, and Rampart's like, yeah, how about you shut up and do what I tell you? Yeah, I just wrote down that Crosshair's getting a little testy. He's like, I can go after these guys. I know what they're capable of. And then they're like, he's like, no, you can barely catch a child. So you need to go do that first. And then we'll talk about going to hunt down. It brings up my question from last week of why is Rampart here? Why is he here? Why is he not on Camino dealing with project war mantle? I, I can only imagine it was because Tarkin went back to, went back to Camino and was like, you know, you have a face that I just want to punch over and over again. How about you go somewhere else and go the fuck away? I see. I initially thought like uh, this would have been a good place to bring maybe either Tarkin back or bring in a different admiral or a different uh, imperial military officer. But then I went, no, because the problem is Tarkin is frighteningly competent. 
And yeah. Tarkin would have handled this in about 10 minutes. Tarkin would not yeah. have even bothered setting up the whole Orin Free. One, Tarkin would have killed had Orin Free Talk killed. Mm-hmm. That would have been number one. Two, he wouldn't right. have bothered arresting Cham Syndulla or any of them. He would have shot them then and there and been like, yeah. they assassinated Orin Free Ta and then we murdered them. And if you have a problem with that, and you think that something yeah. else happened, I want you to consider that something else that you think happened and question whether or not you want that something else to happen again in your direction. That's what, maybe that's why Rampart is here. He's the dumb one. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's part of the, it's to plot. It's to, it's to advance the yeah. plot. You have this like clearly an alien, an alienist uh, in his own right uh, doesn't, have any reverence whatsoever for Twi'leks especially and he's just a dick the whole time he's that classic British uh imperial officer dude and that, yeah. and that's it that's his that's his purpose the imperials are pro-human fascists like mm-hmm. this was this was really clear in uh this is really clear in legends and it's still pretty clear in the expand in the new canon uh, but right. the Revenge of the Sith novel that Matthew Stover wrote, very obvious that uh, it's a wonderful novel. If if you only mm-hmm. read one Star Wars book, read that. Well, one Legends book, read that one. It's so good. But <laughs> it, he... It, is that Legends? I thought that would be canon. Uh, so the original movie novelizations are canon-ish. They're basically canon where not contradicted by the new canon is what they've said. So even the mm-hmm. new books, the novelization of The Force Awakens features a scene where Rey and Poe meet, uh, which they don't until the end of The Last Jedi. So I think it was Pablo Hidalgo said something to the effect of, when you're reading these novels, assume that they're canon unless otherwise contradicted by some other source. So, right. But it. that novel points out you know the republic the people in the republic the humans in the republic were already noting that a lot of the separatist leadership were aliens and we're starting to have some anti-alien sentiment so it's it's good that they bring it up again because othering mm-hmm. and driving wedges between groups of people common fascist tactic yeah i mean that was part of dooku's grand design is to make sure that all the leaders of the separatists were not human mm-hmm so that the Empire could put them down later and mm-hmm. grind them under the boot heel, make them second-class <laughs> citizens, when in the Republic they would have been on the same level as everyone else, or they should have been. So Yeah, in theory. In theory. <laughs> so the next scene between Hera and Omega, I have two notes here, but they're two pretty substantial notes. Uh, we've been talking about a, a familial relationship between Omega and the clones, and we've talked about it, joked about it being this girl being raised by her, you know, four space uncles. She makes the point, and I had never considered this until this episode, they're her brothers. 100% like I wrote that They're literally down. her brothers. Recontextualizes the whole relationships for everyone. Like, Hunter is... The oldest brother, who's the one who's had to take charge. Wrecker's like the cool brother. 
Uh, Tech is the kind of annoying brother who you know his heart's in the right place, but you also know he has a keep out sign posted on his room door. Uh, and Echo is adopted. Yeah. It's a weird mixed family kind of dynamic, but then at the same time, I never considered them her brothers, even though their literal DNA is an exact copy of hers, minus the female, the mutations you know, as well X gene. For them, the <laughs> well, yeah. Well, as far as we know. Yeah, I thought that was a, a neat aspect to it that I hadn't considered, and like... Some of my early criticisms of, oh, God, this is the Mando thing again with the grumpy dad raising the kid. It totally recontextualized right. for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very different dynamic, uh, though. Ultimately, Star Wars is about family. And so thank you, Carrie. There are... uh, Rest in peace. Damn right. Uh, so I think that. There are always going to be similar themes along those lines, but any any good Star Wars story, um, uh, maybe not so much a Sith story, but other types of Star Wars stories. So it'll be interesting to see how it continues to like map out that way. But yeah, this was this was one of my favorite scenes too. Um, there is a meme floating around where they're doing a side by side comparison of when Thrawn. I was going to bring that uh, up. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll uh, let you do whatever. it. I'll let you tell us. Well, what's I, you, you'll probably do a much better job because I, I just saw it like 10 minutes before uh, I jumped on to the record this. And, you know, he's talking about Thrawn's talking about, oh, you have a brother and something bad happened. And they do a side by side of like the conversation of Omega and Hera where Omega's like, they're my brothers. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I hope that's not like something that happens later and a reference to bad all the bad batch being killed. Horribly, the good so. news is it's not. The bad news is it's more heartbreaking than that. Yay. Are y'all ready to be sad? Sure. So okay, in the Star Wars Rebels episode, Jedi Knight, uh, Thrawn does mention looking at the Calicori. And part of the thing with the Calicori is it's a record of their family history because family is very important to the Twi'leks. On that Calicori is noted that Hera had a brother who died when she was very young. We don't know if it was an older brother or a younger brother, how close they were in age difference. We know that she was alive, so she would have interacted with him in some capacity, but he passed away when she was very young. Remembering this detail not only recontextualized the entire last episode, where Eleni and Cham are, like, literally ready to drop the entire planet to go running after what we now just remembered is their one surviving kid. But mm. Hera's line when she says, I'm jealous of the relationship between Omega and uh, the, the Bad Batch is because she never got to have that relationship with her brother well uh this was a wonderful podcast i'm gonna go drink now <laughs> that's crazy I, I saw that that same thing you did at work and i it floored me it just absolutely floored me the level of detail in the world building that dave has done to where someone can go back 
and find this one line from Star Wars Rebels yeah. that explains the entire family dynamic. Like, my soul is crushed. <laughs> Absolutely crushed. Um, on a lighter note, though, uh, I was thinking about the Twi'leks um, anatomy because I'm looking at I was looking at uh, her mom in the next scene. And why do the women Twi'leks or the female Twi'leks have like nubs for ears? And the males have actually. This was ears. a detail from Return of the Jedi that was just a thing that was included. Because her mom is wearing earrings, okay, in the next scene. with uh, They're in the prison, and then Hauser comes up to talk to them. Um, she's got her earrings on. And I thought, like, oh, these are just like little caps they just wear over their ears because I saw the dad, and the dad has ears. actual ears. And then the mom, she literally, her earring, it goes around like in a big circle on top of the nub. And it's like hanging from the nub. And I'm like, wait, so do they not have ears? Like, I don't understand. And then also the women always wear a headpiece. They don't, the men don't. So it's, I, I don't know. Dave Filoni, please explain to me the anatomy of Twi'leks. Like why the men have like a giant forehead and then the women wear like essentially like a headpiece covering their head and then their ears don't show but then their ear nubs that are covering their ears are the same color as their skin like i don't know please this will be the one thing we didn't research (laughs) yeah yeah i i I unfortunately have researched this don't ask why oh Uh, chris coming in clutch here we go yeah, this is this is George Lucas nonsense. Ultimately, at the end of the day, these, <laughs> char- these characters these characters were designed for Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, there were two Twi'leks in that movie: the female one and the male one. Uh, for whatever reason, George Lucas wanted to make the females extremely feminine and always beautiful, and all that kind of shit that he did. And the males have unfortunate foreheads; they have buttock buttock shaped foreheads. Yeah, and the older they get, the grosser they get, for some reason. Cham Sandula is not, in my opinion, a particularly attractive-looking character model, whereas the mom and Hera are. And that's true. That's just something. That's one of those like when Dave Filoni got to do Clone Wars, George Lucas was really insistent that he do certain things, like make sure Twilight's have a horrible French accent because if they <laughs> if they sound French, they're going to be prettier and. They need to be pretty. You See, know, that kind of bullshit. It's just, I it, read oh, it, it as a reference. The Twi'leks are resisting as a reference to the French resistance in World War II. But of course, George, I, I'm going to keep referencing you guys' show. Firstly, because I want to keep plugging it. Because it's great. Which I do not but mind. secondly, because <laughs> I spent all day at work listening to it. You guys raised the point of the meta story of the Jedi in Attack of the Clones and pointing out correctly that the meta story of the Jedi is one of the best aspects of the sequel trilogy, or the prequel trilogy. It also continues into the sequel trilogy. One of the best mm-hmm. aspects of the prequel trilogy, uh, but is also, you just cannot believe that George... I've been dying every day since you came into my life, Lucas, <laughs> wrote this incredibly complex and layered meta plot 
But also that, it's the same thing with this. Like, I want to believe that the Twi'leks have a French accent as a reference to World War II and the French Resistance. But I know it's some George Lucas bullshit. No, it, it's straight up George Lucas bullshit. He wanted a super attract. He wanted a super attractive female alien species, and he thought by having a, a male that is super ugly, that would help help accent the beauty of the female. Jokes on him. Kotor made them hot. Right. <laughs> well, now the um, now the Star Wars Vision Show is going to take that one step further because I guess the comic books have an ugly green rabbit you know alien and then now they're making this cute little bunny girl uh who i guess assuming is the same species did you just straight um, up throw not... like the the two fingers in the video he just he we we don't release the video of these uh <laughs> we don't release the video but i want everyone to know bradley when he said cute little bunny girl either by accident or on purpose literally threw up the the two finger like it was yeah i was trying to be like a cute little japanese girl i I hate you so fucking much (laughs) we get a so we get an interesting sequence where Hera's is explaining the plan and remember we talked about the very first shot of Hera. she's spying on the refinery that is what they've sent her out to do And we talked about how, yes, it makes sense for the story that if you need somebody to do this, relatively safe gig, not going to be in any danger. Right. Send the kid to do it. Uh, Turns out that is a Chekhov's gun. Because she knows the guard patrols and the layout of the facility. Because she and Chopper were spying on it in the last episode. And that is how she knows... Chopper can sneak in on this patrol. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Ah. She already established. But when you involve Chopper in any plan that you devise, <laughs> you're asking for, for trouble. Yeah, but this is early enough in the timeline that they might not know that. I mean, I mean, she found out the hard way. Chopper's all, yeah, I can hack into the control panel and deactivate the guns. No problem. Yeah, thanks, And he gets Chopper. there, like, my bad. <laughs> I was uh I was really disappointed in this scene because I thought I wrote down in my notes I said I was expecting um, a talk about the plan while it's happening scene like I don't know what you officially call that but you know where like in Ocean's Eight or something they're talking about how like they're like so he's gonna jump in here and he's gonna open up the safe and then this is gonna happen and then they show you them doing those things and then they cut to oh that's already all happened like <laughs> because that's what they were talking about the plan. There's a fun game you can actually play with those types of scenes. And uh, I'm about to ruin those scenes for you forever. (laughs) So if you're listening and you want to enjoy any of those scenes for the rest of your life, uh, skip 30 to 45 seconds in the time. Just hit the skip 30 second button. (laughs) Wait, just so I'm clear, you're you're about to ruin Oceans? I'm I'm about to ruin that particular type of scene for people. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) So skip 30 seconds if you want to avoid that. If they show you them executing the plan at the same time they are discussing it, the plan has succeeded up to that point. If they do not show it, it will go wrong, basically immediately. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. I like those rules. Yeah, you have ruined them for me. Thank you. <laughs> 
I, I but you're right. You're right. Provided. It's screenwriters do better. Subvert that, Ryan. Ryan, I'm counting on you. <laughs> you're the subversion guy. Come on, Ryan. So I have a note here. Tech says a lot. Remember earlier I said tech shut up. Tech is like, are right, you're gonna send the kids off by themselves? And I'm like, no, tech, keep talking, because <laughs> that is a valid point. Maybe, maybe we send like one person with them. They're sending Chopper. They but don't know Chopper. They don't not know a Chopper. Responsible adult. <laughs> Chopper's the least responsible adult. Also, Chopper is the worst person to send on a stealth mission. Like when he gets in line with those other R two units, you're like. I, as a clone, I'm, I mean, I don't understand how these clones or just regular people in general are not like, why the fuck is that Dell computer mixed in with the apples? Like, I don't understand, like, why a over 50-year-old machine is mixed in with these 20-year-old machines. Like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, in any Star Wars situation, in Rebels especially, it's like, Chopper is clearly, like, the first version ever of a mech droid and he's mixed in with all these other ones and they always try to like spray paint him make him like blend in and i'm always like what the fuck no he's that's like putting a literal vintage car mixed in with a fucking tesla and you're like look that's clearly supposed to be there that is 100 percent true but they <laughs> always they always use chopper for stealth missions and rebels and and one thing i did think was cool i, I don't recall he probably did in rebels but i don't recall a scene where he snuck in he was already infiltrating and so getting to see him sneak into the into the refinery the way he did which was hilarious um was awesome and mm -hmm. to totally chopperish they would paint him in rebels right. that is how they did it they did it a couple of times i think that they would paint him and he would resemble an imperial droid enough that i guess the people would just assume he was an older model <laughs> right it's just funny that in this scene in particular, though, all the R units are the exact same. So it's just that he's the only one that stands out. I, I real fast wanted to note the Emperor, the Empire using the Twi'lek laborers. We see them use laborers, alien laborers a lot. It goes back to their, they want to demonize the aliens and make them second class citizens so they can force them into labor. Essentially, we see them, they do it with the Geonosians, uh, I believe in canon by forcing them to work on the Death Star. Yep. Um, I think in Legends, I know in, uh, definitely in Legends, the Wookiees, same deal. A lot of them were round up and sent to work on the Death Star. Um, so we get a, a little bit of that with the Emperor. I keep saying the Emperor, like he's personally involved in this. He is personally but involved. But he is. It's his grand plan. It is his grand plan. So Chopper, when he's in line has a little conversation with the droid in front of him. And I wrote in my notes, uh, Chopper has a little conversation, which I interpret to be, if you say anything, I will straight up murder you. <laughs> Chopper then proceeds to the uh, control panel, finds another droid there, and straight up murders them. I love that. There, Chopper just electrocutes this thing and tosses it aside. Like, it is nothing. <laughs> He's so funny. Chopper's gonna chop, man. That's what he does. Do he just... not fuck with Chopper. No. Well, so, you know what's funny about Chopper, too? And I think this 
lead, leads into the discussion of that he is a essentially the base model of you know the mech droids is that he at one point you know electrocutes these stormtroopers and of course this um this yeah droid. so he also straight up murders some clones like right in so the i think it's they... because it's not against his programming like he literally it's not in his programming he is able to hurt humans he is able to hurt other droids like i feel like later models they are there's kind of like an anti-violence thing like in them like they can't mm-hmm. do it except for i guess r2 but he's an r2, r2 yeah r2, r2, r2 has no problem yeah i i just thought it was hilarious in a show where they have taken such pains to be very careful about when they're using blaster bolts and when they're using stun weaponry yeah so you have like the bad batch using stun weaponry against the clones on raxus who are using blaster bolts we see times they use the blaster bolts like they use live fire on the ships in baraka mm-hmm. like that situation is bad enough that they're like we're switching to live rounds chopper just straight up has a body count mm-hmm. he's just like i'm gonna murder a droid and i'm gonna murder two clones <laughs> i love him so much bye chopper does not fuck around no, he he's he is the most destructive entity in the galaxy. <laughs> so Omega is like um, Chopper gets up there and says, "Oh, I I actually can't do it. So I, sucks to be all." Here's like, "What are we gonna do?" And Omega's like, "Well, there are these ships, and you do want to be a pilot." And I feel like improvising today. (laughs) And I also feel like annoying tech today. Right. So let's fly this ship. I did think, remember I mentioned in the last episode, Bradley, I thought takeoff and landing was going to be a bigger deal. Yeah. Because Gobi made the point, you're not ready for takeoff or landing. She just takes off the ship. She just takes off. Well, she does. She stumbles a bit. and then Yeah, she she, she bashes into that ship on the left side. Yeah. Yeah, but... That's a time-honored tradition. She still manages to get up. Like, I thought it would have been more of a problem. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I was surprised that she didn't get shot down or anything. And uh, Tech making that, that that statement about her maneuvering was hilarious. And But she learned pretty quick. Like, she was, like, she was flying around Tech, and Tech was clearly not too concerned about smashing right into her because she doesn't know how to fly. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it, I agree. I think I thought it was gonna be a bigger deal too, but maybe there's still, an, uh, what's going to happen next episode. Is she going to have to land? Cause she is flying her own ship right now. She, so tech, tech is a good pilot and that shocked me. Hmm. Why? So this episode, he gets to show off some his of his maneuvering skills. and yeah. like he was kind of the butt of the joke last episode, mm-hmm. but we see that his technical knowledge of the ship allows him to pull off some fairly impressive maneuvering that he pulls off. Like, he stops the ship on a dime and angles it up to where Wrecker can get a shot. Like, it's it's very good. Um, we do know also that Hera, as I mentioned last time, will pull off my absolute favorite hyperspace maneuver of anyone ever when she hyperspace jumps through a fucking space station's hangar yeah oh yeah 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 oh i love that sequence uh we get a another little a new hope 
vibes with the rescue of the Sindulas and Gobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're like, Hera sent me. Oh, is Hera here? Very echoes the Obi-Wan Kenobi's here. I love all the correlations you're making on New Hope. I never thought about any of that. That's so true, though. I just watched A New Hope like mm. a week and a half ago. That's part of it. But we've been noticing throughout Bad Batch, there's been a lot of little nods to Empire and A New Hope and a little bit of Return of the Jedi, but mostly it's Empire and A New Hope. But they're getting these little nods and bringing these tropes back. Uh, we've got, I've got a note here that more people... I've got a note here that more people on the Empire side should listen to Crosshair. He's 100% correct. Rampart. Yeah. Like, Rampart, he's right about a lot of things. He's got so so much instinct, too. Like, he's just like, something's not right here. Like, we need to... He correctly points out that the, the sequence where he notices the ship's rising up and they rise up around him and he's like oh he's like oh we're just being we're abandoning this post oh i know what's happening here yeah but unfortunately i don't think the galactic empire will be at least the middle manager officers are going to be very receptive to any of his feedback because because they 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 already have, have indicated they look down upon the clones they don't like the clones they want to get rid of the clones eventually rampart does have to basically be like this whole episode has to happen before he will be able to say okay yeah maybe you can go and yeah. hunt down the bad batch we get the uh, imperial klaxon sound again one of my favorite sound effects from the series oh, the, uh, the uh the the klaxon i believe we were talking about it bradley on an earlier episode we yes. were quite fond of it as well you it mean, is actually my uh i was gonna say you mean this sound there you go <laughs> yes that sound it's my uh it's my raid sound when i stream on twitch if somebody raids me it's the sound that plays uh, it's just a great sound. Uh, I wrote down, Hauser Cockblocks are Bad Batch and Crosshair Showdown. Oh, that's yeah. so true. I like, told you it's coming. It's just not, not at this yet. point in time. And people would have died in that situation. Uh, the Crosshair was in his perfect position. I don't think... I mean, he, he if he didn't kill anybody out of the Bad Batch group, he could have killed one of the Twi'leks, so... It would have been very bad. It probably, and we've talked about, Eleni dies at some point between now and Rebels. Right. That may have been the direction it it potentially could have gone, an alternate version of the script where they do go out there and Crosshair shoots her. Right, and that's the reason why she dies before Rebels or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they do not go that direction. Hauser comes in and says, uh, guys, you're walking into a trap. And Eleni's like, oh, I mean, we could take this other shuttle that's there. Yeah, why didn't we think of this before? Why didn't yeah. we do this before? <laughs> There's a luxury shuttle up in the tower where nobody knows where it is. Oh, okay. Okay, let's yes. go. Yes. 
Uh, so then Hauser walks out. This this great scene. Hauser walks out and mm. gives a speech that's like, "This is wrong." Yeah. This is not okay. And the first time I watched this episode, my thought was, "Yeah, he's gonna get shot." I thought I thought Crosshair was gonna kill him. But to my absolute shock, the clones, some of the clones lay down their weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're still his troops or whatever. Like, it's still his squad. So I guess I'm not that shocked that they, like, kind of somewhat listen to him. Well, it shows that it goes back to Chris's theory earlier that the inhibitor chip is starting to wear off and will not be as effective long term. So it, it it's kind of an implication of that that clones all over the galaxy may they're starting to get smarter. They're not like as break you know, the conditioning. Right, right, right. Because he throws down the gun and then the other ones are kind of like, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we already did our job here. Why are we listening to the empire?" Like, you know, they're kind of like this is kind of total bullshit. Right. And then I think what's happening, too, is this is the beginning of the end for the clones. I think it's you're going to start seeing them all slowly get arrested. And then, uh, well, something will happen to them behind the scenes that we're not going to see. <laughs> or, or or maybe we will, and it's going to be horrifying. Oh, well, we can only hope. Oh, God. So we get this lovely moment where they're flying away. Here's a Return of the Jedi moment. That, you know, I mentioned there hadn't been a lot of moments that kind of echoed Return of the Jedi. This one does. Where Hunter kind of looks down and Crosshair is kind of looking up. And they both know that the other one is there. Mm. It's not a force thing. It's not exactly like the sequence with Darth Vader and Luke on uh, the shuttle Tiberium. Mm. But it really echoes it. Yeah, the idea of the two people being in two different places, but being close enough to almost sense one another. Right. I just I love that shot. So is it? It are they? Is it going to happen next episode? Do you think? The showdown. Mm-hmm. Possibly, I'd have to look up what the next episode is called. I mean, there's only four episodes left theoretically. Yeah. So. Well, it's I called know... it's called Infestation. Probably not. No, this I would is say be probably the next one, which is called War Mantle. Hmm. Mm. I agree. Which, I as think... we know, is is the name for the phasing the clones out and bringing oh. in the new troopers that Rampart mentions. And fun fact was mentioned in Rogue One. Oh. Yeah. Wait. Isn't that what she, when she's going through all the files? Is that yep, one of the she's ones going she... through the files. Yep. Uh, hyperspace tracking is one she mentions, which we eventually saw in The Last Jedi. Right. Project Something called Project Dark Saber. Which we know about, yeah. Or Black Saber, I think, is what it actually is. I think it's Black Saber. And then also War Mantle is mentioned. Interesting. This is War Mantle. It's oh my gosh, we've almost come full circle with the files in Rogue One. <laughs> See, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Right. Oh my. There's a. They land, they talk to Eleni and Cham. Uh, there's a very classic. They're back on Ord Mantel. 
There's a very classic kind of keep the money moment. I do have noted here that Tech shows Hera how to, we mentioned earlier in the episode, Chris and I, uh, Tech shows Hera how to scramble signatures. This will eventually be the ghost's whole deal. Mm-hmm. Is it scramble signatures? Um, but this very nice, and we get this very nice, like, goodbye moment between Hera and Omega. Which I hope they see each other again. I really do. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, maybe they won't see each other again until Book of Boba coming this <laughs> December, only on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Vanessa Marshall, uh, live-action Hera. You I mean, they've, they've mentioned her in Rogue One, so why wouldn't they show up? I mean, if Chopper can show up in Rogue One, then why mm-hmm. the fuck can't She's Hera in... show up at some point? She's in Star Wars Squadrons, again voiced by Vanessa Marshall, and I think yep. she might have mo-capped her as well. Right. I haven't played Squadrons. This is a thing we will do on my Twitch channel, which I will plug later. But she oh, You is... should let me know when you play. I definitely uh, love that game. So <laughs> I have not played it yet, but she is in it. That's awesome. Mo-capped as oh, Hera. Interesting. Um, so I, I do hope they see each other again. Yeah. Maybe in season two? Bad Batch season two? Uh, if they did that, I would not like it. Because then you're like, all right, guys, you need to come up with new storylines. Like, and not just like, oh, let's go back to these characters that we saw in season one. And just do the same story, but a different one. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, can't do that every time. There's a few characters I could see if they did a season two, them bringing back. Um, Hera would be mm-hmm. one. Cad Bane would be another. I would love uh, that. Queen, Queen uh, Fennec Shand. Mm-hmm. Avi. Uh, Bring her back. Uh, Senator Singh and his droid. Um, okay, so now you're getting a little too a specific. Alright, you're getting a little too specific. That's, with these that's, the, one, that's the only ones I could I could see. Yeah, and I feel like Sid would be a mainstay character. Sid just is in the main cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our final scene, Crosshair and Rampart. I love the little hiss as... Uh, Crosshair takes his helmet off. It's very reminiscent of Kylo Ren. And the way his helmet kind of hisses in The Force Awakens uh, in Last Jedi when it comes off his face. Uh, Mm. And Crosshair is like, I want permission to go hunt down the Bad Batch. Rampart's like, fine. (laughs) Go ahead. Go kill them. They've embarrassed me enough. (laughs) Go embarrass me somewhere else. Yeah. And that's where our episode ends. That's it. Do you guys have any uh, final thoughts on the episode? Uh, Chris, again, you're the guest, so you, you can go ahead and go first. No, I, I, I completely can't. I, I, the, the key for any episode of like the, like this is like, do I, want, do I want to watch the next one? And the answer is absolutely. I cannot wait for what happens next. Uh, I just hope someday Disney will stop with this weekly bullshit because it's killing me. <laughs> in general with bad batch i do think that like i know com- people complaining about the pacing of some of the episodes it feels slow uh clone wars is not that different um have, ha- watching that show week to week you have to deal with the weakness of some of the episodes especially the episodes that rely on the one before or after or whatever as part of a trilogy and i i do think back bad one of my other main criticisms of Bad Batch is I don't feel like it's still 
is distinct enough to be its own show. It feels like Clone Wars 2.5. Which I don't mind, but... Bradley, what did you you think of this episode? Um, I thought it was pretty decent. I like... I think the, my only issue with the episode is I feel like it's stronger as a two-parter and not on its own. I think you definitely have to have the first episode. And honestly... I'm sure watching the episodes back to back is more beneficial than watching them week and then wait a week, you know? Um, so I think that's just like slightly where it's a little weak is that it doesn't necessarily stand on its own, which it could have if it didn't have last week's if they, you know, but, um, other than that, uh, there's one random note that I didn't get to, which was when Hauser, uh, warns them about, uh, the ambush or whatever. And there's like a split second where when they're running away, Hunter looks back at Hauser and then kind of like keeps going. And I was like, why didn't Hunter tell Hauser about the inhibitor chip right there? No time. Yeah. But like, come on. Like he noticed that obviously Hauser was kind of having doubts or whatever. Right. So why would he not, just relay that information like hey by the way your instincts are right all of you have a chip in your brain that's controlling you and telling you what to do like you know i just don't, i don't know why that wasn't brought up like you so guys have Houser's, these opportunities so hauser's big speech can happen i know but it's like yeah. come on tell it's a plot can happen tell your brothers about the cancer chip in their brain that's making them do bad stuff tell them Especially since you're about to betray, you're about to go against your orders, they could turn around and kill you. Right. Like that. You know. I thought they were 100% going to gun Hauser down. Oh, me yeah. too. I'm very happy that Daddy Hauser is still with us well, uh, to drive as far as drive we... thirst on Twitter. And I'm sure there will be a Hauser TikTok, which will probably be way better than whatever this Tarkin TikTok bullshit is. <laughs> I'm not familiar My... with that. And I don't think I want to be. You don't. <laughs> My sort of final note that I didn't get to uh, that wasn't covered is I want to shout out the music uh, in this episode. We got some great sinister music for Crosshair. We got some absolutely fantastic kind of Rebels type. We talked about the Leia type theme, the Rebels type theme. We got it again when Hera was flying. It. The music in this is just absolutely phenomenal. And does a good job of, of being Star Warsy and being reminiscent of both Clone Wars and Rebels and the classic Star Wars music, but being its own distinct thing. So I really, really dig the music. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with that 100%. The music is amazing. Um, again, I, I have to call out the animation. Uh, it's unbelievable what they've done with the show. And I, I hope that level of quality continues with the other Disney animation because... Uh, you know, in the past, they've made some interesting choices, like with Resistance, for example. So, I want them to keep going. Oh, I'm glad oh, you brought Rhea. that up. So, let's Rhea. get into it. Yeah, uh -oh. how, did how I just step into a minefield? You did. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so, Bradley and I are, are quite infamous for our violently different assessments of Resistance. There's another podcast I'm going to try to force Bradley to listen to. Uh, where they're covering Resistance right now to get him to appreciate this show. Because <laughs> it's good, Bradley. 
It is a good show. I, I think this is something that you and I are probably going to argue about at length. <laughs> Definitely in our Bad Batch recap, but probably for the rest of time going forward. <laughs> Chris, I am sorry you stepped into this minefield by bringing up Resistance. <laughs> Uh, I I appreciate that I was the antagonistic force of uh, of this situation, so thank you. <laughs> you have come in and, and caused us to argue about resistance again. He's which the, he's the Phantom Menace. He is. It was. It's not Palpatine. It's not the Sith, and it sure as hell not Obi Wan Kenobi. It was Chris all along. It was along. Chris all along. <laughs> it was Chris all along, and that was a reference to Dark Side Divas. Which you would know if you listened to the show, which brings us to our final section here. Uh, Chris, do you want to go ahead and, and tell the people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you've already pumped up our show enough. So I really, uh, first of all, really appreciate uh, you guys letting me hang out and talk about uh, the awesomeness that is Bad Batch. Uh, I won't get to talk about that show on my podcast for like 20 years. So it's totally <laughs> awesome. Uh yeah, uh, Dark Side Divas is on every major uh, podcast platform out there, so feel free to uh, you know to search for us on whatever podcast network you use and and, and subscribe, download us. Uh, my co-host is super active on the Tiki Talk, uh, which is what I call it. I don't understand that app at all, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've tr- I I have tried. I can't. I just can't. Uh, but we're on Dark Side Diva at Dark Side Divas on TikTok, Instagram. So just check us out and. Yeah, more Star Wars uh, is awesome. So, Steph, I love you, and I'm I'm sorry the Jabem thing <laughs> rubbed me so to the point where I had to be like, it's so good, but also it's not canon. I'm sorry, Steph. I still <laughs> love you. Don't be mad at me. That's uh, hilarious. Well, Chris, I I'm glad that we had you on. It was awesome. Um, I have not, even though Chris and I live in the same general area and are part of the same discords which i've actually seen him advertise dark side divas in some of the discords we're in uh, and then completely forgot about it and discovered it later during pride month and was like oh i've seen that name before uh i've not met chris in person yet uh but it was it chris it was delightful to have you on uh absolutely awesome uh Hopefully, we'll get you back on at some point in the future. Yeah, I uh, definitely. I loved uh, doing this with y'all, and you know, I I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, as you can tell. So hopefully, I made it entertaining for y'all. <laughs> as far as we go, uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at @goldsquadgays. If you're curious about Dark Side Divas and other queer podcasts, I do my best on that Twitter account to retweet new episodes and things of other queer podcasts when they come out. So follow us on there, not just for our content, but for great content from other queer Star Wars creators. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at, at GoldSquadronGaze. Bradley posts memes sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> when I feel like it. When he feels like it. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitch at CWRogers6. It's the same as my Twitter handle. And uh, we are playing Star Wars games every Monday. Uh, we are currently playing through Jedi Fallen Order and talking about the crossover between Fallen Order and uh, Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. And then we're so close. 
We're so close to being able to announce another social media. I'd hoped it'd be this week, but alas, not quite ready yet. We'll we'll let you guys know when we're ready. So, Bradley, you want to go ahead and take us out? And we really need a better ending than this. <laughs> no, I, I think it's kind of fun when you say it. You're like, do the thing. Okay, Bradley, do the thing. And join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Twenty-four Emmy nominations, season two, nice, uh, including. Oops, uh, is that you, Charles? It's probably me. Oh, my bad. Oh, I thought that. You know, I just assumed that you were both in L.A., so I'm just like, well, one of you is just going to have some kind of traffic. It's only the occasional gunshot. Only the occasional drive-by. The street I live right next to is a favorite uh, starting point for people that like to drag race. Like, like actual drag racing, not the drag queens.